0: hello everyone and welcome back to the history hour i'm your host and guide blaine so today is our first episode of 2023 and i am super jazzed up about it finally able to get into some paleontology uh, aspect of our history here within our region so today i have none other than mr jim kirkland himself he is the state paleontologist for utah and he has 50 years of experience out here and Jim, thank you so much for taking the time today uh, to be on the show. And why don't you go ahead and just give us a little bit of uh, history here uh, with uh, paleontology within the Moab region. You guys
1: got the first dinosaur discovery in the Western United States back in 1859. Hmm. South of town there. One of the first specimens in the Smithsonian, actually. Hmm. Uh, and the site's being worked right now by the University of Utah in, And Dr. John Foster, actually it's Dr. John Foster's project that the fossils are going to the University of Utah Museum. Important, important find, oldest long-necked dinosaur on the continent. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Never heard of it. I'm sure. <laughs> nope, not yet. <laughs> but the site had been was lost for over a hundred years and rediscovered by Moab's own Fran Barnes. Okay, doing historic research uh, on the on the on the McCallum expedition to try to relocate the site and mm. hold it off, which was pretty pretty important. Yeah.
0: Huh. Interesting. So I know that we have. um uh within the different layers that we have here um in the different formations within the moab region it's kind of sort of the perfect mix for paleontology um what wh- so for our listeners what layers um are going to be the more specific to the dinosaur
1: eras well the uh in terms of where those lots of dinosaurs you know the oldest level which you know is outcropping right along the uh right there in moab is the uh, chin lee formation and just north of town uh and uh, uh what is it uh corral canyon uh, the oldest the only triassic dinosaur known in utah was collected a few years back hmm. uh You've got uh, Utah's the oldest dinosaur, you know, in terms of the only Triassic one. Mm -hmm. Utah uh, from just on the north edge of town, you know, uh, and of course the Morrison is, you know, globally famous for dinosaurs uh, all through uh, eastern Utah and all the way up, you know, to Montana and east into New Mexico and the Panhandle, Mm -hmm. Oklahoma.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Dinosaur National Monument, Jurassic National Monument, and who knows, you know, you know what will happen in years to come, uh, you know, in the Moab area. I always think to myself, it would be nice to have a dawn of the Cretaceous National Monument to the <laughs> northeast of Arches, since it's yeah. the richest early Cretaceous, you know, pretty much on planet Earth, mm-hmm. uh, you know, probably 30, 40 distinct dinosaur species from up in that part of the world, uh, more than any place else. Uh, at least on this continent, I mean, that probably more than dinosaur national line, uh, dinosaur provincial park in Canada, mm-hmm. certainly more than dinosaur national line in a, uh, pretty, pretty amazing place. It would be a national park anywhere in the U S yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely.
0: <laughs> so I know, um, so i'm a guide out here and a lot of my uh fellow guides out here um one of the main questions that i know has ar- that has arised with us is because you know when we're out guiding and we start talking about uh dinosaurs and paleontology uh within the Moab region um i know we'll take them to dinosaur tracks uh, out here um and so we know that the um uh, that the dinosaurs are uh, found in the, in the Morrison Formation that kind of sort of surrounds the
1: Arches National Park area up here. a few. There's a lot more, three times as many in the Cedar Mountain. Wow. Yeah, way more dinosaurs in the Cedar Mountain than Morrison. Oh. Or big giant bone beds as well. Yeah. That's why the BBC's coming over to do this show is on this stuff.
0: Nice. And uh, so could you um, briefly sort of describe to us why is it that there are dinosaur tracks on these harder rock? Whereas a lot of the dinosaurs are found in more sort of like soil type layers.
1: Well, we get dinosaurs in the soil uh, tracks in the soil like layers too. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, don't preserve as well, or, you know, you'll have a muddy, uh, horizon where dinosaurs are walking in it and, uh, sand comes flooding in, you know, following a flood event. And, uh, fills the uh, uh the muddy track with sand which later gets cemented so we uh, we find dinosaur feet on slopes uh all the time uh you know three-toed feet are easy to identify yeah. you know big sauropod round feet are a little tricky to, uh, yeah to tell from around rock yeah toed uh feet uh, in fact we get lots of iguanodon feet uh, but when people see those, they carry them away, even though it's illegal. Yeah. Uh, so they don't stay on the surface very long, it seems. Mm-hmm. But in a big, hard sandstone, of course, uh, they're going to survive in the elements uh, uh, much longer. And, and you get them in contact, you get trackways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you get things that you can take people out to. But yeah, we have dinosaur tracks in every layer through the entire Mesozoic. You child mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Moab has, you know, got hundreds and hundreds of track sites around it. Uh, there are so many, you know, uh, they're you know, beyond count, uh, really. It's just, you know, we want, we want to develop some of the good ones, you know, for uh, interpretation for tourism.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but as you know, people still go out there with rock saws and steal them. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, uh, it's a real issue. You know, we did an inventory of dinosaur sites to the west of Moab in the Blue Hills area, and we found pretty much 100% of every dinosaur site, I think we found 70 sites, 100% vandalized, uh, which is, you know, when we did that at Bears Ears, it was less than 1% vandalism. Wow. So it's like, what do you preserve, the places that have been trashed or uh, the places where things are pristine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but remarkable, you know, you know, and people come all over the world. You know, we we're out there doing our inventory during the Rock and Mineral Show there in Moab, and there were literally caravans of people out there uh, looking for dinosaur bone when we were out there. And people would come up and ask, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" And we're just looking at the geology. Yeah, and I had one guy complain, complaining, "Man, twenty years ago." you can find petrified wood all over the place here and uh, you got to walk a mile to find good blog anymore. It's like, hmm. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those dang hounders. <laughs> I mean, you know, they did back. There was an area my in-laws took me to in the eighties, you know, my, my wife's from the area mm-hmm. and the uh, place they used to picnic at uh, the late fifties. And they're, uh, There was this big area, big as a football stadium between the hills, paved with fragments of dinosaur bone and petrified wood and agate, paved. I mean, you couldn't step on the ground, but big flat area um, and about the size of a football field. And when we were out there, I said, oh, we got to go check out Copley's Picnic area. And every site they showed me where there were dinosaur bones had been hacked out of the rock. And the entire valley floor that was paved with agates and dinosaur bone fried wood fragments with nothing left in fact while there was a piece about as big as in my thumb and i remember taking a picture of it the last piece of uh, of agate you know it wasn't about it, it was just a piece of agate uh, left in copley's picnic area uh, you know and it was amazing because they took me there in the mid-80s uh-huh. and literally you know there's probably tens of thousands of fragments of agate and, and bone and, and petrified wood on that valley floor house and you know got nothing left nothing back in wow happening within 30 years yeah uh yeah. well and this is you know in terms of taking people on showing people stuff you know moab is is drying up you know there's no doubt about it yeah uh, a lot of the stuff we work there the bone doesn't expose on the surface so you yeah. have to excavate to find the good stuff but Uh, And we've got good stuff, Uh, but you can't, you have to excavate to uh, recover these materials. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a reason it's there.
0: I know one question that I was asked um, on a tour uh, last year, actually. Somebody asked me, they said, um, you know, we're talking, I was talking to them about all these uh, excavations that have been going on for decades out here in the Moab area. And one of the questions he asked me, I just could not, I just did not have an answer for them, so I'm actually kind of curious myself. If these dinosaurs are underneath the surface, what gives you a clue that they're down
1: there? Well, basically, if you don't see bone on the surface, you don't know to dig there. Yeah. And that isn't what how it works. Okay. Except, uh, you know, you see, as I said about that valley floor, a piece of the bone, you know, coming down out of the hill. Mm-hmm. You know, basically to find dinosaurs you know, we go out there and, uh, and look for little chips of bone that have weathered out of the slopes, mm-hmm. roll down the hill. Then we try to follow it up slope mm-hmm. and hopefully we find where it's coming out. And so very often we hope I figure out where it's coming out. Yeah. Uh, and you go back there a couple of years later, Often do we can find where it's coming out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've been taking the sites where we could find nothing and a month later it turned into a major site, you know, yes. cause the, the bone had been all washed away. Yeah, a little erosion. Oh, there's some new pieces. Okay, now this is where it is. Hmm. Uh, and that's just how it is, you know, for a lot of these subtle sites. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we have sites where, you know, Mill Canyon Dinosaur Trail, off points out the point, Green River, where the bones are in big, hard sandstone units. Hmm. And those work well for interpreting, you know, making them in interpretive sites. Hmm. Um, you know, we're getting ready to do that at Green River. You know, it's taken us years to get all the, data from the National Environmental Policy Act stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, now we're ready to develop a major yeah. uh, interpretive trail along Fossil Point, which mm-hmm. is pretty exciting. You know, I'm a big believer. I'm the state paleontologist mm-hmm. in Utah, so I'm a big believer in that we need to, you know, try to get it so our local communities benefit from having the greatest fossil record on the planet. You know, because we, we have more stuff than China does no I've got two tours of Utah for the Chinese geologic survey over the years. Yeah. They, they agree. You know, we have, we have the best record of the history of life anywhere in the world. Mm. And it's something that, you know, we'd like to learn about before it's gone.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's very, quite interesting that we are, uh, you know, paleontology, you know, is, is still discovering new things every single year. Oh yeah, you know and last
1: 30 years we've got hundred new dinosaur species out of Utah Wow the last 30 years there were 20 known when I named Utah raptor in 93 yeah 20 known dinosaurs in the state that mm. do this you know the species you yeah. know we're we're getting 130 we got there's probably another 20 or 30 so we'll be over 150 soon mm-hmm. uh, from from Utah because we're really you know opening it up because there's there's been a little bit of money not much. Yeah, but a little bit of money to do some work, and it doesn't take that. You know, this isn't like a space program mm-hmm. uh, to do it. And there's there's been nothing in the past mm-hmm. uh, for funding for this stuff. You know, which is you know it's incredible how much you know we've done on a few thousand dollars of field money a year. Uh, you know, I know we've discovered like thirty new dinosaurs. Wow. Literally, we have a few thousand a year of discretionary money where we can go out and look for stuff and not do stuff where it's, you know, dealing with something people have found or, you know, some disaster that's happened that we got to mitigate.
0: Yeah. Wow. You know, um, so would you be yeah. able to give us uh kind of like a good rundown of the history of paleontology within the Moab area? Sort of like, you know, from when dinosaurs were starting to be uh, discovered out here and maybe throw in you know the discovery of some really uh significant ones you know that um were pretty big to paleontology out here
1: well you know the you know, first dinosaur found in the western united states was uh south of moab uh sitting up on top of one of the uh red rock mesas uh south of the city uh where the uh in 1859 uh, the mancum Survey uh, was looking for a route down to the Colorado River and Labs. and they were coming across the south side of the La Sals, poking here and there, trying to how do we get through this cliff? You know, if we get to the next. They gave up. They never got to the rift. Yeah, they you know yeah went away. But while they were doing that, uh, John Newberry, the paleontologist geologist on the expedition. Uh, found uh, dinosaur bones coming out of a bench right on top of one of the Red Rock bases. And, uh, you know, they collected a few bones. But remember, they're on horseback. It, wagons, mainly carrying supplies. So they're not going to be able to take big dinosaurs. This was a long neck dinosaur. It was a big one. Wow. Um, they got a few bones from the forelimb, uh, one of the shoulder blades, pretty much the forelimb material that they got and were able to uh, take back to Washington. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was named in 1877, um, by, uh, Edward Drinker Cope, a famous Cope dinosaur feud with O.C. Marsh, uh, and it was named Dystrophius. Cope always came up with really, uh, tricky names. Mar- Marsh named things that rolled off the tongue easier. But Dystrophius is one of the first dinosaur types that was ever at the Smithsonian, You know, it was named in 1877 and was probably curated there and, like, you know, right before the Civil War, Uh, you know, because this was all, like, right as the Civil War was starting to, you know, get going. Mm. Uh, But Dystrophius was named well after the war Mm. uh, by Cope. And it's the oldest long-necked dinosaur known in all of North America still. It's from the very, very base of the Morrison Formation in what's called the Tidwell member. And generally, there's not many dinosaurs known from the Tidwell member. Most people go up to the top of the Morrison in the soft, uh, brushy basin member mm-hmm. excavate dinosaurs. Uh, the intervening saltwash sandstones have dinosaurs a different species in the brushy, uh, but those are hard sandstones that are very difficult uh, to collect. And generally, you end up smashing the bones up and those bones turn into... Uh, souvenirs for people and we lose you know the dinosaurs because you can't take unless you know what you're doing. you mm-hmm. can't get those out of the sandstones you know without air compressors and you know micro jacks and things uh, but that's the oldest dinosaur you know on the continent and one of the first discovered and the site was lost for over a hundred years mm-hmm. uh, and back in the you know, 70s uh, Moab sown Fran Barnes, uh, you know, it was written like 50 books mm. on the actual history and the trails and things around Moab, uh, you know, self-published, uh, Fran was doing historic research and he's working on this for, you know, more than a decade, maybe even a couple decades. And he finally was able to track down where that site was hmm. and, uh, reported that to my predecessor, Dave Gillette. Uh, who, you know, got pretty excited because this is a real important site. It's a level where dinosaurs aren't known elsewhere in Utah. We, I, we have a couple other sites, but it's still not as good as this site. And uh, uh, Don, uh, John Foster, who used to be the director of the Moab Museum, has reopened the site. He's now up at the Vernal Fieldhouse of Natural History State Park, you know, up in Vernal. But they've reopened the site and work generally a few weeks a year. It was a break for COVID, uh, and the material, the new material, is all going to the Utah Museum of Natural History. Uh, but it's it's a real exciting uh, dig, and you got to use rope, climbing ropes, to get to the site because it's on the top of this cliff. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> man. And you said uh, that that dinosaur was initially found. Um... Was it was it the uh, Macomb expedition of eighteen fifty nine?
1: Yeah. Okay. They found it, and the bones that were collected, you know, went back with them in that year, yeah. back to Washington, and the site was never looked at again. And you know, a couple decades ago. Yeah,
0: yeah, because I know even there, um, I you know have been um, uh, reading up on the Macomb expedition of eighteen fifty nine, and even there their journals and paperworks and different things just kind of sort of almost got lost, you know, uh, from that whole trip, uh, because of the civil war, you know, <laughs> everything uh, kind of put on the back burner, of course, you know, right there, uh, at the beginning
1: of the 1860s. And, uh, so yeah, you know, the reports know. didn't come out for years about the yeah. expedition. <clears throat> uh, but, uh, yeah, I was brand free bonds is a remarkable guy. There's a lot of geologists. Uh, that have come up through the ranks here in Utah Mm -hmm. that uh, owe Fran Barnes a lot because Fran was always reporting uh, interesting discoveries he made. And, you know, he was, you know, an incredible naturalist. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of geologists, I mean, I remember when Fran passed away and, uh, you know, our celebration that we had uh, of his life and all the geologists that came in from all over wow. you know, old friend barnes for the help he gave them about doing their research it, yeah. it's it's quite a legacy you know our profession uh really uh, owes a lot to him
0: yeah absolutely he's definitely one of my favorite authors you know with uh with local moab history uh books you know he's got some incredible like rock art books you know from the indigenous people and and yeah, those, those, uh, paleontology and geology books, you know, that he had, that he had written just pretty fantastic stuff. Very, very well written.
1: No, it's it's really, it's quite, a, it's quite an amazing legacy. I think Moab owes him a lot too, because much of what we know about the Moab region, you know, is thanks to friend Barth. Oh, absolutely. About it, Because, you know, he was doing it under his own dive you know and um you know if you got to come in from the east coast or west coast to do work uh in utah it costs a lot of money mm-hmm. oh absolutely it's, it's not free to do this stuff it would be nice if it was but it isn't yeah and uh the amount of uh, work that friend did over his lifetime in moab is is really extraordinary absolutely so so
0: this discovery was found south of town, but majority of everything is found
1: typically north of Moab. Just north of Moab. And, uh, you know, a lot of things were discovered and and carted away and sold off, you know, by folks, you know, various rock shops and things and, mm-hmm. and souvenirs. I mean, there are there are books written in the 50s, you know, that, that show you areas around the Moab area. That oh, yeah. Uh, agate petrified wooden dinosaur bones, and and people came from all over the world and, you know, vacuumed up a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, basically in the Copley Ridge area that my uh, in-laws first took me to, uh, when they were first going out there, there were petrified logs in the Morrison right right there that were, you know, five, six feet in diameter and went through the the hills for 100 feet. And none of them were left. They all were carted off completely. It's like, you know, in my mind looking at you know some of their old pictures, it's like, how the heck did those things get stolen? <laughs> you know, just because you need, you know, several semi trucks. Yeah. Some of those logs, but you know, a piece at a time, apparently. Yeah. uh you know, and it's still going on. We had we had people stealing logs and driving right through one of our dinosaur digs with them. If wow. the road went right through one of our digs. And uh, the BLM was visiting us there one day when they come through with one of their logs. I think they got in a touch of trouble for that. Yeah, kind of over uh, the weight limit, I'm sure, for the day. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was a trailer. Yeah, it was about 20 foot log. Wow. I mean, maybe 10 foot, 15 foot, but it was, it was a good size log. Yeah, that's the that old outside of it was gone. Yeah. Licked <laughs> it, it out of a sandstone with hammers and chisels. But uh, <laughs> so it was pretty butchered. Uh, but it was a big chunk of log, no doubt. yeah kinda end up in someone's rock garden Oh, absolutely. It totally, totally dissolves away into the soil.
0: Mm-hmm. you know one of the one of the things that I love about out here is the exposed layers is the exposure of the layers that we can see literally right from town. you know, I think it's so awesome that we can. Look on one, you know, if you drive north of town, you can look on one side of the highway and you can see a lot of Morrison. Then you can look on the other side of the highway and then you can see the Chinle, you know? And so from my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> from my understanding, the Chinle is what separates uh, Jurassic from Triassic, correct?
1: Well, the Chinley is the upper Triassic. Upper Triassic, okay. Yeah. And the older Triassic, the Moenkopi, is under it. Moenkopi predates dinosaurs. yeah you wouldn't find a dinosaur bone in there, but there's loads of track Last few years, we've been doing inventory work at Canyonlands you know, for the mark mm-hmm. service. And we've been finding, you know, hundreds and hundreds of sites uh, for tracks of the ball Wow. One of the neat things we find there are these swim tracks. Uh, that we, we, we call tow dates and, uh, they're everywhere, and they're you know, and they're all over in northern Arizona, all across Utah. In these rocks, and what it is, it's some uh, early archosaur. You know, not a dinosaur, but you know, the group that gives rise to dinosaurs eventually. And they're like capybaras. These things were obviously, you know, you know, they're they're using they're pulling underwater using the substrate to move around. So they got these toe dings, like you see with when they have. Underwater pictures of top of boroughs, you know, those giant rodents in South America oh, yeah. moving along or tapers do it too. Hippos do it. And they leave these tracks, you know, swim tracks, and only a couple of their toes are hitting when <laughs> they do this. But they're pulling, po- and it's obviously it's a behavior because it is layer after layer throughout those rocks. Wow. There are hundreds of these things. And we're still trying to figure out what the animal is. Yeah. We well, a group, but we don't certainly don't know what species it
0: is. Interesting. He said that was found in um the Moenkopi
1: layer. Yeah, the the Moenkopi, we've got some we got some sites there in Canyonlands and on the mm-hmm. you know, the eastern margin of Canyonlands. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, I mean big house sized blocks covered with these things. Wow. They make nice interpretive sites. Yeah, you know, tell the story. What does this represent? Yeah. It's pretty cool. cool. But that was some big bodies of water and you know, I don't think these things were in the ocean. I think they're you know, coastal lake system, maybe estuaries, mm-hmm. but uh, there's there's lots that there's lots we don't know. I mean, right? Uh, the Moab area, Grand County, you know, has the two and maybe even the three oldest Cretaceous dinosaur faunas. You know, like the Morrison say is a fauna, yeah. three oldest Cretaceous faunas in all of North America, right. and they'll never be found outside of Grand County. You know, we just published on that a couple of years ago. And the reason is salt tectonics. Hmm. You know, Grand County, round arches, uh, form big basins in the Moab Fault. You know, it was tied to salt tectonics as well. All that Paleozoic salt you know, squeezes like toothpaste. And as it was being squeezed out of one area, it would subside, and we were receiving sediment in Grand County, where everywhere else in North America was being eroded. So there's no rocks of that age. All the way up into Canada and down to Mexico, uh, along the Rocky Mountain front. Uh, and, you know, you say, well, it must be because there was mountain building. No, it's quite essence between mountain building episodes. Uh, there's rebound from uh, no mountains getting stacked up on top of the western part of the state. And so you develop, you know, this erosional surface all the way out to, you know, Kansas. Uh, nothing's found there but Grand County. And, you know, we have these things. It's like Utah Raptor endeavor be found anywhere but grant county and we have all you know we probably have parts of 20 animals at least at this point yeah we have lots of sites but they're totally unique you know anywhere else in the world this would be a national park you know because there's you know this is unique on the planet basically uh Uh, that surface is pretty much erosional everywhere yeah real quiet periods for mountain building global no real interesting stuff i mean you know, and we're just discovering about it. Uh, we're probably gonna have a press conference on some of this stuff in the spring when we host this big international conference mm. on the Mesozoic. Fantastic! So,
0: do you? No, um, no. We actually just got the Utah Raptor State
1: Park here. Just yes, in indeed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I've been I've been, been super brought high. down to Moab since the mid nineties. Yeah, uh, different proposals by different people to try to do something up there and yeah. uh, you know it's fortunate it just it happened but now they can't afford even with 25 million yeah the cost of doing anything moab mm-hmm. area is nuts yeah uh, so they may have to get more money to do it yeah uh, to you know, build infrastructure uh, yeah at campgrounds and things it's it's tough you know there's just no nobody available yeah How many Still- hotels going up <laughs>
0: So from my understanding, like the main reason for, um, for the protection of that particular area of where Utah Raptor State Park is now, uh, north of town, um, to basically it was that, was that to sort of protect the area from people trying to amateurly dig up their own dinosaur bones out there just because, you know, I think, um, I believe that's exactly where the Utah Raptor was dug up. The first one was just... No, the first one was on the other side of Arches. On the other side of... Okay, yeah. we're still in the Yellow Cat area? They're totally equivalent, you know. Uh-huh. Top,
1: yeah. The whole thing just folds over at the top of Arches.
0: Right. That would be the uh, Yellow Cat area? Yellow
1: the Yellow Cat, remember, the upper Yellow Cat. Upper Yellow Cat. The okay. lower Yellow Cat fauna. It's not present at Dalton Wells. Right. Um, but we actually have an even older level with uh, an older Giant Raptor... Uh, that we named Durgovucia, which is kind you for coyote. It sounds slotted, but it's mute for coyote. I uh, like that name a lot. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I know, it's, it's just well, you know, you know, that's you. We asked the u uh, yeah. what's yeah. your word for coyote? It's Yeah. Uh, that's uh pretty interesting. But uh you know, the Dalton Wells area, that's probably one of the very biggest early Cretaceous sites in North America. Uh, not not and it's also unique. Grand County, there's no, you know, animals like that anywhere else in the country. Mm-hmm. It's a unique story. It's not dinosaur national monument. It's yeah, not Jurassic stuff. It's all different animals, and there's at least ten different kinds of animals there. Several of the dinosaurs there still haven't even been named. Um, you know, but there's at least eight Utah Raptors have come out of that site, and uh, four Gastonias. Uh, of course, Moabasaurus, there's like 18 partial skulls of Moabasaurus are collected there. All those collections are up at BYU, mm-hmm. the Paleontology Museum. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, they worked the site, it was discovered, there's debate among people who discovered it and who first told BYU about it. Uh-huh. Uh, but the word I get is it was lit Ottinger. Yeah. But then I've heard in other things that there was someone else, and I think they're trying to say that not to give Lynn Otter credit. Right. Because, you know, Lynn's always been really good to me over the years. Yeah. Uh, so I like Lynn, but, you know, I can't debate that because all I'm I, for me, it's all hearsay. Right, right. Uh, you know, I don't know who pointed that site out, but I do know the uh, Earth Cedar Mountain dinosaur in the Arches region, uh, which we've nicknamed the Bodley Notosaur. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I name, it after Jim Jensen. Mm-hmm. Uh, They've already named a dinosaur after Ottinger. Um, basically, um, that animal, which is further north, was a giant elephant-sized armored dinosaur. Wow. Uh, that wasn't named when it was first described. It was dug up in the '60s, and mm-hmm. the paper says it was found by when Ottinger, yeah. we, you know, proof that he you know found this thing before Dalton Wells was pointed out to BYU yeah um uh, and i think it was lynn too of course
0: yeah because yeah because um you know we you know we we are told you know just like you said like hearsay word of mouth mm-hmm. that lynn ottinger um had you know is accredited to um you know of course the iguanodon
1: ottinger or. or yep i don't know how you pronounce it <laughs> it's uh, a, yeah hot dry yeah hot and dry okay yeah and i think it's probably hippo draco guanodon doesn't occur in north america right because yeah, that's mostly found america. in the europe right yeah i found britain northern europe
0: yeah. yeah so um and also um you know um i feel like you know sort of the dinosaur mascot of moab is the utah raptor you know he's sort of you know um you know, and well, it's a state
1: dinosaur of Utah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's usually, <laughs> I always think it should be Moabosaurus. Right. You know, named for Moab. Yeah. Uh, which kind of surprises me because for 15 years before it was formally named, you know, that name was under mounted skeletons in Japan and elsewhere. Cause it was years before that thing ever got named. Yeah. Um, but it's a dominant animal, Donald Wells, mm. but Utah Raptors probably, uh, Uh, snacking on those things, Roger. Right. Yeah. So, you know, because the
0: Utah Raptor is the largest raptor in the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Currently, though, we have another site a little bit younger where there seems to be an animal just the same size. Uh, but where all you have is the killing claw, but it's exactly like Utah Raptor. Wow. Just as big. But it's 10 million years later, right before that animals goes extinct. Right, and uh, it's got to be a different species. You can't, you know, ID of the claw, but it is a relative, clearly. Uh, and we're hoping open that site up in the spring. Uh, pre- prehistoric museum at Price. Yeah, uh, you know, Denver Museum worked it for years, uh, but they found that claw. But like the last week, they worked the site before they, you know, gave it up. Mm. But uh, we're all excited because it's a great site. And they didn't dig anywhere that they went more than a couple feet we're overburden. If you get five to ten feet overburden gone, you're going to get a lot prettier bones. Uh, so we're pretty excited about opening up. And, and the BBC's going to film us out there at some point uh, because they're doing a show on these ankylosaurs. Mm. And we're digging around Moab. Yeah. Yeah, at least five different species of those now. Yeah. So pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, I was... I just had a thought, Chris, I actually just crossed my mind. Uh, when, when you were talking about people basically vacuuming up all the dinosaur
1: bones. Right. Yeah. You can't find fight right. if you don't find any chips. Exactly. Put there, they just pick up all the chips. So there's no way to find the site if there's nothing on the surface. Yeah. I, I mean, I can find sites cause we're, you know, we can read the rocks, but you know, I've been doing this for, you know, this spring will be my 50th anniversary. Wow. Uh, you know, hunting dinosaurs on the plateau mm-hmm. at, uh, you know, so I got a pretty good search image, but even paleontologists for years, so mm-hmm. are yellow cat sites. The bone is just a discoloration on the surface. Mm-hmm. No fragments even hit the surface. They just crumbled to powder. Yeah. Uh, which is, yeah, but you go down five inches and it's good bone. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Pretty interesting. Unfortunately, that's why this stuff's still there. Yeah. Uh, it's certainly not agate bone and it's pretty fragile. You got to use a lot of glue, but. It's it's exciting stuff. Yeah, we're re- really rewriting the history of Utah. The I mean, Cedar Mountain, forty-five million years of time in the Cedar Mountain. Now, you know, at least six, probably seven faunas so far. Uh, you know, that's two-thirds of the length of the age of mammals. I mean, it's the It's probably the richest dinosaur-bearing unit in the world uh, in terms of diversity, but it represents a lot of time. Uh, but it's only like five hundred feet thick. Uh, but different places, you know, we're starting to finally figure it out. Uh, and it, there are places in the nineties, you know, universities in the Southwest that just didn't think it should even bother being separated from the Morrison. You know, ah, that's just a little skip on top of the Morrison. Yeah. Important.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've actually seen with my own eyes, these, cause I collect old like magazines and stuff like. From the 50s through the 60s, and 70s sure. that you know, specifically have like old Moab stuff um, in it. And um, uh, one of those magazine publications that was out in the 60s, um, I saw that uh, Muscleman's Rock Shop was had a rock hounding map in that magazine mm-hmm. <laughs> of where to find dinosaur bones. At oh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, horned coral, um, just like uh, different things. Uh, when so when did exactly that sort of that sort of um, uh, get
1: sort of outlawed? You know, to well, basically, you know, they took the 1905 Antiquities Act. You know, 1905, where they outlawed you know messing with archaeologic materials. Correct. It was written for archeology. span uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And then they during the uh, basically. In the late 70s, early 80s, they kind of expanded the uh, concept of the Antiquities Act from archaeology to cover paleontology as well. And it was, you know, it was not written for paleo. Anybody that knows anything said this goes to court, it ain't going to live, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's really only, you know, when, when the National Environmental Policy Act came out, you know, important scientific materials are supposed to be protected but didn't specifically say fossils there either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but decisions should be made with good scientific uh you know research behind it. But it was really perpa the paleontology resource protection act uh of uh, what is it 2000 uh what was it 2008 uh yeah. you know when that was passed uh you know basically that's when uh, there was laws that said federal land collecting invertebrate fossils. Mm-hmm. And the rules on that were just published a few months ago. Hmm. Taking okay. you know over a decade to publish rules for the Paleo Resource Protection Act. Right. Even though it says very specifically not collecting vertebrate fossils. Mm-hmm. And that invertebrates and plants would be allowed to be collected for personal use uh, by non-scientists. Um, you know, the uh, the rules have only come in place recently. Right. Uh, we'll, we'll see how that all gels up. I mean, the rules in Canada, uh, you know, took a decade before people really started, you know, paying attention to the rules. You know. uh, but, the, you know, these rules have criminal, you know, uh, penalties that are written right into them, and that's all been passed by Congress and proved and's in the congressional record. Uh, but it took forever to get through the Solicitor General's office. Mm. Um, and I'm not a fan of all of them by any means. Right. Uh, you know, and, and no one's ever a fan of everything. You know, I think it's really important that kids can go out and collect some fossils. But, you know, being a vertebrate paleontologist, I understand. Generally, particularly in these rocks, most people destroy vertebrate fossils, you know. Uh, you know, we're not getting scientific information. Because uh, most of this stuff's not easy to collect good specimens of, uh, you know, it's not like uh, the Hell Creek in northern, you know, part of the Western Interior, you know, those things are like died yesterday. You know, Tyrannosaurus is closer to you and me in time than Stegosaurus is to, is to Tyrannosaurus. You know, we're looking at the stuff in Utah. yeah, you know, this stuff is twice as old as the Tyrannosaurus Triceratops faunus. so you expect it to be. A, you know I'm a little more tied to the ground right shock right. dug sites up there like digging beach sand yeah that's cheating <laughs> <laughs> but here we have a lot more opportunities to learn right. one new things yeah yeah because you know we see um
0: you know with sort of the you know uh paleo history of the region we see that sort of the deeper and deeper you go that's when you sort of start finding more and more of those, inver- and of those invertebrate fossils you know you find like you know uh brachiopods and um yeah c- seashells uh, of all things you know and uh that's you know some things that are still seen in the rock especially you know um near the canyon lands area um that i personally show people uh seashells right there and um right there in the rock you know just right above the colorado river um, oh sure yeah and um and I believe that's the Hanukkah formation.
1: Yeah, Hanukkah Trail. Yeah, mm-hmm. Hanukkah. Yeah, and you get that stuff right out by the entrance of Arches too. Mm. Uh, nice material. When they bulldozed, you know, widened the road there, in a slab there that I really wanted to get a winch and a truck and collect it for the Utah Museum. You know, because it was a nice big, I you don't know, six foot across slab covered with brachypods and crinoids and bryzoa. And I was like, can you put that in a museum and then set up a, a like a, a magnifier that you can move across it? You know, people could look at that for hours. Oh, yeah. Or like looking at, you know, 300 million year old seafloor. I would get lost covered in covered stuff. <laughs> and, but mostly people have chiseled everything off it. So it's not worth picking up anymore, but it's still yeah. out there. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's what happens. You know, it's once stuff's on the surface. You know, it doesn't, what generally doesn't weather away. Mm-hmm. Well, if we don't dig it up and take it, it's, it's going to be lost to erosion. Mm-hmm. No, it's generally taken from people chopping it out with a hammer. Yeah. It's soft, you know, it's, we work a lot faster than erosion. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, that's, you know, and that's, you know, my experience. The Blue Hills area was heartbreaking, you know, to see this place that I was taken to in the 80s. And there were dinosaur sites all over, they were showing me complete turtles coming out and stuff. And I was at the time teaching at the University of Nebraska. So, you yeah, know, I wasn't going to be doing research out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, basically, uh, you know, I didn't go out there till 20 something years later. Everyth- everything was gone, just wow. big bits. And we know no one ever did any work out there with a permit.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: you know, none of it was done by scientists. You know, at all. You know, it's just oh well, yeah. Just like you said, just getting vacuumed up. Yeah. Well, more than vacuumed up. There, there are quarry pits out there. Wow. Off a semi truck into. Wow. Site that is within sight of the main dirt road, and literally there are several pits, you know, bigger than Cadillacs, you know, out there. It's like, how did they do this and not get caught? But, you know, crystal guys are, you know... Oh, Larry, you know, was telling me, you know, when he was digging that site, that they would go in at night and go in there and using lanterns, and they were mining under the bone bed and digging it from below. Oh, so, so that's not dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they would do it at night with, with tarps over there, over the pit. Oh. So don't fly over and see that they're out there. Yeah. Oh, you because know, they're you know, very paranoid of getting arrested. And sadly, Larry went to jail, uh, uh, for that dig, you know, because, you know, I was put under, uh, the hot lights of the FBI on that one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause he showed me the site and I said, I, I'm, I won't, I'm not going to report, you know, that you took me to the site. Uh, but if I, you know, I get questioned, I, I'm not going to lie, you know, that's not what's going to happen, you know, and. You know, I had to say what happened. Mm-hmm. I got I got pulled in, you know, mm-hmm. because there was enough background noise about those materials. You know, it was, it was a new dinosaur. Yeah. It was appearing at the rock shows. And everybody knew it was, you know, a new dinosaur. It was a family dinosaurs that were unknown mm-hmm. in North America. So it was, you know, pretty important stuff. And there were a lot of rumors, people saying it down at Tucson. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So it was, it was sad. Good you know. Larry's a good guy. Even guys in the BLM and Moab mm-hmm. telling me that you know, if anyone, uh, was kind of not butcher it, it would have been Larry. Right. You know, Uh, when did that take place? That was, uh, well, let's see. Well, you know, we first heard, knew about it in the late nineties. Okay. I was still living over in fruit of Colorado. Okay. And, uh, I first got to see a box of the material uh someone was given a box of stuff from uh Larry and the guys he was working with and he went to jail because he didn't report anybody working with him mm. uh you know uh you know so yeah it's just like he was a, a mob you know guy made man he didn't <laughs> report anyone and he he served time yeah so you know, he kept his mouth shut yeah uh, but basically I saw a box of this stuff and I was like yeah that's a therizinosaur. No mm. doubt about it. And I wouldn't and look. And the rumors were all over to the east. So I was thinking it was out by Dewey Bridge or something. Mm. And then this guy from Denver, you know, who was trying to be a, like a middleman on this stuff, uh, you know, said, you know, he would, you know, you know donate the material to me uh, if he had got the casting rights. And I guess, you know, Larry was going to get money from the casting rights. Uh, but this material was going to go to the University of Utah. They're like, nope, they're not getting any casting rights. This thing, you know, period. And I had no say on that stuff, which was, you know, I wanted to secure this animal because the only other Therizinosaur bomb North America I had discovered myself as well. Mm -hmm. Only two known genera of that group in North America, It's better known in Asia. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got to name both of them, which is, it was pretty cool uh, because it was an important, interesting group of animals. Uh, But, yeah that was uh that was a tough thing, and it as it turned out, I went out there uh and even with coordinates, I couldn't find it mm. bite because it would locked under the ledge, and the Denver museum guys were out there and walked right above it and missed it too, because at that time we didn't know there was this lower yellow cat interval, and there's this big marker bench that separates the lower from the upper uh so everybody walks on that bench and looks up and if we were looking down now we might have found that site but we're out you know, i was out there i was probably within 20 feet of that site at one point wow uh but i you know i didn't know I had coordinates and you know it's like where is i can't see any bone yeah um so he ended up taking me out there directly and uh when i was being quizzed i, I learned stuff what uh the fbi's quizzing me and there's one point you know, my wife told me, you better call, because I hadn't met Larry. I didn't know, you know, at this point. You know, you better call me once you're, at least I know you, you haven't been shot or something. <laughs> and I stopped on a ridge on my way back. I had cell phone reception and called home. The FBI had that data. They knew where I was when I called home. Mm-hmm. And, and they were like, well, were you setting it up for the the, the sale and purchase of that thing? I mean, it, I was over the hot, I was under the hot lights there for two different meetings. Oh, I bet. Oh, it was it was not comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, I'm just trying to get it into the public sector. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, no. not getting anything out of it. Yeah, being abused by you guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that particular dinosaur was that one the one that was um, it was herbivore and carnivore.
1: It- well, it it's you know it was a manoraptorin, which is. Related to the raptors, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it had become uh, an herbivore. Clearly, an herbivore, really specialized. Yeah, uh, they developed this pelvis. It's like a, a bushel basket. This huge open pelvis. Uh, and these things walk more vertical than dinosaurs are now known to do, uh, and had a short tail uh, to do that, you know. Uh, but they developed into a obligate plant eater. Yeah, I always think it's tied to the origins of flowering plants and opening up a whole new food resource for these things. But uh, Lindsay Zano, the North Carolina Museum of Natural History, who's the world's expert on there were dinosaurs at this point, uh, Lindsay uh, basically uh, yeah, I was looking at this stuff and she thinks all these man including Utahraptor and, and Velociraptor, uh, were became a plant eating group of theropods, and then you know, and birds come out of this group mm. as well. Birds of manoraptorans. and that the uh raptors, the dromaeosaurs, basically went back into being hyper carnivores, mm. uh, out of that group. Uh, it's it's interesting, there's no question Utah raptors' ancestors could fly. I'm uh, totally is like, what if the fellow's a thousand pound animal? At the... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, um.
0: I think it's pretty quite interesting that um, we are starting to st- see that perhaps these dinosaurs had
1: feathers. Absolutely, I've seen a thousand feather dinosaurs. One wow. rare, and of, of like twenty different species. Yeah, China. It's amazing. I was in a room with like a thousand at one time down in Shandong. I've done ten trips to China thanks mm. to the Chinese government because yeah they're interested in my work and they bring me over there my opinion on things mm-hmm. Did a big study on you know the quality of chinese paleontology for the academy of sciences over there once which was pretty interesting got to see some great stuff yeah they took me everywhere yeah but uh yeah it's uh, uh feathered dinosaurs are amazing i've been to the sites been to Liaoning six times you know i've looked at these things i've had people show me a feathered lizard uh that was a fake. We yeah. thought your raptor was half a bird and half a, uh, probably a, a micro raptor. So half promise or half real bird. Yeah. Uh, combined, you know, cause Chinese quite, you have know, good craftspeople. you know, they can do some pretty, pretty amazingly beautiful things and very delicate things. Yeah. Uh, but this one scientist was showing me this feathered lizard and insisting that it was a, it was a feather. You know, they were seeing feather structures. And what someone had done was, was, from the feather dinosaur sites, but they took this lizard and took a, like a red even feather or something and made it symmetrical. And then they dipped it in ink or some resin mm-hmm. material to make it look like a feather preservation and laid it so the the ratus of the feather was along the tail and then pushed down the sides and mm-hmm. like feather material coming out the length of the tail. I studied down under a microscope and pretty much that's my conclusion of how they made it you yeah. uh, know and what am I going to see next a feathered turtle yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it was you know there there were things that came out of their fake but there's plenty of real ones yeah um you know I mean the feathered Raptors microraptors by like 30 or 40. Wow. four wing flying Raptors you know they're dromaeosaurs. they have sickle claw a little bit Mm-hmm. They're as big as crows. Mm-hmm. And there's there's probably three or four species. We got one in North America, mm-hmm. uh only known from bones, but we know it's a micro raptorine. Mm-hmm. Uh but these things, you know, they they have dozens of them in China. Preserved in all different ways. Yes. You know, some have stomach contents. we got a microraptor with a mammal foot still visible in its rib cage. Wow. You know, so we know, oh, this one was eating our ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> you know, um, because um I'm I'm 33 years old, and my introduction to dinosaurs in the 90s was was the Jurassic Park movies, right? Oh, sure. And so, um, for folks in my generation, we are so used to. Uh, That's almost exactly 30
1: years ago now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, my, I saw it with an Associated Press reporter sitting next to me. <laughs> Not the best way to see that movie. Yeah. Expecting to see raptors ripping the guts out of people. Yeah. So, you know, he said, "Yeah, he's just squirming the whole time." You know, Spielberg said he wouldn't let his 11 year old see it. Oh man, they're going to have the Raptors do their thing. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So I feel like,
0: you know, we, we sort of have this, um, perception that, you know, um, like theropods, uh, for instance, uh, that they were, uh, very, uh, reptilian like. Um, and then I have heard some stuff, uh, that recently we think that possibly, uh theropods are closely related to um chickens now and birds yeah i mean birds
1: are you know theropod dinosaurs i mean it's you know bats are mammals yeah yeah i mean that's the only difference is they're flying and they survived the extinction right this is the age of dinosaurs still because yeah. bird diversity outnumbers mammal diversity yeah you know so we're, we never got out of the age of dinosaurs right
0: so do we do we think that like let's say like T Rexes, Raptors, you know Velociraptors, and even and even the Utah Raptor, do we think that they had feathers on them and stuff like that?
1: Sure, I know. Yeah, you know, some of the big things, you know, elephants. You get elephants with fur, and get elephants that are just bristles. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a 30 foot tyrannosaur from Liaoning, China, with feathers. You know, proto feathers, so it's more like fur, but it's you know it's definitely you know the early stage of feather evolution, and you can follow that. With the and getting more like white feathers, and yeah. to get closer and closer to real birds. Yeah. Uh, but the eutyrannus, you know, had uh, proto-like proto feathers over its body, a shad. and it's probably living in the mountains. These are all in volcanic lakes, which were probably dammed in mountain valleys, and mm. and they went anoxic. So you pickle these animals in the bottom of them, preserving the feathers. Uh, but it was probably a, a high elevation environment. So pretty cold, uh, but Tyrannosaurus would have been living in like southern Alabama, Louisiana type of climate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it likely didn't have heavy shag of feathery fur mm. over its body. So I'm expecting it lost it secondarily, and we have Tyrannosaurus skin from Al- from Alberta, not Tyrannosaurus rex, but uh, pretty close relatives, Albertosaurus and Gorgosaurus, and it and it looks like. People, oh, look at the scales. But if you look at it closely, it's not scales, it's like little pimples. Hmm. And I'm like, yeah, those are those are the feather follicles. And the thing is basically lost the feathers. You know, I had the, the I don't know if you say good fortune, people don't like to do this now, but I once rode an elephant and I really looked at the back and the, you know, they're they're pretty bristly. You would not want to have a bathing suit on on sitting on an elephant. It'd be really uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> but uh You know, certainly, I think tyrannosaurs are like secondarily pretty much featherless. They might have bristles. They might have eyelashes, Mm -hmm. Uh, hairs in their nose to keep the dust out. Yeah. Uh, You know, because they would have had, you know, feathery ancestors or ancestors capable of it. It probably first appears in small animals for insulation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're, and they're little, you know, monkey and squirrel like feathered dinosaurs, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. that were you know, more primitive. The first one was, you know, an animal about as big as a chicken, but did not have wings, more like feathers. It was clearly a primitive animal, more primitive than Tyrannosaurus, which is not real close to Allosaurus at all. You uh, know, Tyrannosaurus are Raptorans. They got big. Uh, but the first ones, you know, these are, you know, using it for insulation. Hmm. And they probably co-opted it for, uh, Uh, behavior, you know, interacting, you know, because you can color keratin pretty good. Mm -hmm. They're probably developing coloring thing, you know, that we can't see in a fossil record uh, or not very well. Uh, And using it for behaviors, uh, started using it to shade the nests, you know, and and flight feathers may have been, you know, first developed and animals are developing so they could put their arms over the eggs and shade them uh, from excessive sun. You know, the ones, you know, Oviraptorids, which are probably flying mm-hmm. uh, their ancestors too, maybe not, but we've got them on nests, you know, so we know while they rest, you know, and they have the body sitting, the eggs were, you know, wrapped around the edges of the, of the nest. They laid them in pairs, not one like birds do. And because uh, they're, you know, you see pairs of eggs around there, and the animal would sit in the middle, but, you know, the eggs going around them, and then they have its arms spread out with its flight feathers, shade the eggs. And there's been several of those found now in the Gobi. Uh, so we see these behaviors that certainly suggest this protecting the eggs uh, scenario for, you know, either after they became flightless again or right before they became really decent flyers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it's the, you know, the record of this stuff is, is getting so good. I mean, I've, I've got Lake Carpenter, you know, up by the Moab Airport. Mm-hmm. I keep wanting to find feathers out there because it's the kind of environment where you know, that you would get a feathered dinosaur in. Yeah, um, you know, and I'd love to work that site more, mm-hmm. um, but you know, there's not enough money to sit there and spend the summer splitting shale when you might not find anything. Yeah, huh? mm-hmm. yeah. But that's where we're going to find. Yeah, you know, North American feathered dinosaurs. That kind of environment.
0: Well, you know, I got one more question for you. Yeah, so we got time enough for just one more question, and uh, my question for you would be: as the state paleontologist, and you have you're going to have fifty years of experience here, um, what is your personal favorite thing about
1: paleontology with the Moab region? Well, I mean, I just I, I love the fact that it's you know it's opened up. You know, I, I was asked recently you know, what do you want to be known at, you know, for, mm-hmm. you know, you know, professionally. And I'm like, well, probably the biggest thing is I've opened up 45 million years of the history of dinosaurs yeah. that we didn't know there was a record of, you know, before I started. And yeah. I pretty much put it together. Mm-hmm. You know, there's got to be more done. They'll probably, you know, finally slice that more, uh, with more research. But, you know, we didn't know we had a record. heck When I started out there, there were ecologists that you know didn't even use the cedar mountain as a valid formation and now we know you know it's 45 million years and it recovers you know the big onset of mountain building in western utah and we've learned things like the beginning of the rain shadow happened 20 million years before there was snow on top of those mountains Hmm. these are things that we've been figuring out recently that you know there's no way we'd know this stuff yeah (laughs) i was taught that when the mountains come up, the rain shadow and, you know, that all happened almost instantaneously. 20 million years is not instantaneous in my book, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's a free long- you know, and it's like, <laughs> but it's only because of Grand County, these basins around Arches that developed. They gave us this unique record we're looking at the soils. Soils tell us a lot about climate and the teeth preserve the water chemistry. You are what you drink you know, the Suarez sisters and the work that they've been doing. It It's incredible. I mean, we are getting a, a record uh, of the history of life here that that's unique. Well, guys, that does
0: it for our episode this week. And uh, a huge special thank you once again to Mr. Jim Kirkland, state paleontologist of Utah. And join me next month right here, same time, same place, last Monday of the month at 4 p.m. right here on KZMU.